this person to say good morning, but that's okay, right? You can never have too many good mornings. Uh, glad that you're with us today. If you're visiting, we just thank you so much for coming to visit. My name is Chris Massey. I'm another one of the pastors here at uh, Family Life Church. And if you are visiting, we'd love to invite you after service. Uh, right outside the doors here to the left, we have our welcome banner. Uh, we'd love to just get the chance to, to meet you. Shake your hand and get to know your name. Uh, we're not asking anything of you. It, it doesn't take more than two or three minutes, but we would just love to connect with you uh, in that way. Um, I was doing pretty good this morning. I mean, the sun was shining. Praise Jesus, right? You know, and then a really bad thing happened. I found out that our children's pastor would sell his soul for $75. (laughs) That was disheartening. That was disheartening. Uh, but no, we've, uh, we're going to continue in our, our series this morning. We started last week, just a two-week series um, on relationships, and I uh, just wanted to give this warning, warning, warning. This is a Valentine's alert. In two days, two men, it will be Valentine's Day. Now you have been warned, and if your wife is here, she knows you were warned. So if you mess this up, the Lord bless you and keep you. <laughs> you are on your own, okay? This is your Valentine's alert. You know, hopefully you'll have some time to celebrate that with your Valentine uh, this week and just enjoy those moments. It's great. Jess and I uh, just had the chance to go away for a couple days uh, to a cabin, just get away from everything. You need that in your life. Just unplug and get away from everything. Uh, but it, I hope you get a chance to do that. But obviously, with uh, the month of February, we tend to talk about relationships. Last week, we talked about uh, the idea that forgiveness is a major factor in our relationships. It's the currency of relationships. Jesus forgave us, and he said, I'm telling you to forgive others as well. But today, I want you to buckle up, all right, because we're going to talk about something that's probably going to be a little uncomfortable. It's kind of one of my favorite subjects, okay? Uncomfortable topics. We're going to talk about biblical marriage, I see your excitement. That's good. That's good. No, I want to talk about biblical marriage because here's the thing. There are some ideas behind biblical marriage that have been kind of misused over the years, but there are also some really important facets of biblical marriage that we really need to to dive into. We're going to be going into Ephesians this morning, and Ephesians is really this book that Paul gave to the Ephesian church, and he's teaching them all about spiritual maturity. You go to chapter one, he's talking about wisdom and spiritual maturity. Chapter two, the case for unity through maturity, meaning once we become mature, unity becomes a byproduct of that. And then God's plan for unity and reconciliation in chapter 3. Again, just continually progressing. Chapter 4, the benefits of unity supported through individual maturity. And then in chapter 5, living for Christ, the effects that it has on our relationships, beginning with husbands and wives. And then in chapter 6, going on to uh, parents and their children. And then eventually, um, slaves and masters, which is a little hard for us to understand, but think of it more in terms of your relationship with your employer, okay? Okay, so how you work for your employer, what you're giving to them as if you're working for the Lord himself. But I wanted to focus on this this morning because there's a reality in the church that's kind of a scary thought, okay? And that is that whether you're talking about church or unchurched people, the amount of the divorce rate in in our country is exactly the same. And so what does that indicate to us other than the fact that either we're not living in the way that God has commanded us to live, we're just, we're just being more like the rest of the world, or marriage itself is just a broken philosophy and it'll never work. 
Now, I don't really believe that second one. That would be pretty pessimistic. But here's the idea that I want us to focus on this morning. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 to 33. And it says this. The scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, we're going to jump into this, and I know, every time we begin to talk about the concept of submission, every guy starts to perk up. This is like the favorite sermon of the, ooh, yeah. you need to tell her more about that preacher, tell her more. Just take it easy, okay? We're probably not going where you might imagine. Some of you are laughing because you know you were probably in first service. Here's where it starts. Because spiritual maturity is what we're trying to attain, right? And this is what Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church. You are working towards spiritual maturity. So he's like, I want to give you an outline for what spiritual maturity looks like in your homes. How does spiritual maturity affect your marriages? How does it affect your relationships with your children? How does it affect the way that you interact in your community, at your job place? Because spiritual maturity has an impact on every one of those relationships. Now, it would take weeks to go through all of them, but I figured since it's almost Valentine's Day, we'll talk about husbands and wives for a moment. Because here's the reality. All of these facets of what it means to live in unity and harmony with one another play out in the remainder of our relationships. And so he starts by giving this heading in chapter 5, verse 21, this heading that is eventually going to kind of overlay every other one of the relationships he talks about. And he says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This has, in years past, kind of been misinterpreted, talking about this concept of mutual submission. Uh, but really what it's talking about, I think this is going to be a word for us to understand, that word submit there is a Greek word called hypotasso. You want to try that? You can say it. Hypotasso. See, you know, you know Greek now. That's great. This word hypotasso means, actually, and probably easier way for us to understand it, is to subordinate. It's almost like a military term, right? We understand that in the military, there are people who are higher up and people who are lower, and you subordinate yourself to those in authority over you. And if you go outside of that authority, well, that's insubordination. But this idea of to be subordinate is this, that I give to these people that I'm in relationship with between husbands and wives, my children, the people I work for, my community, I give a portion of myself to mean this. I humble myself and elevate others. In fact, we can read it in these terms in uh, Philippians 4.3, or I'm sorry, 2.3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves as better than you are. Don't look out only for your own interest. Put other people first. This is the, the foundation of how God wants our earthly relationships to play out. Think less of yourself, think more of others. Humble your own thoughts, your own desires, your own selfishness, because we've all got a little bit of that in us, and start to elevate others instead. And so this idea of subordination. So here we go. This is what it looks like. And he begins to describe it, verses 22 to 24. He says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, 
So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, difficult topic here, right? Oh my goodness, that means I have to obey everything that he says, right? Yes, you do. No, I'm just kidding. No, here's the problem because the idea of submission has been taken out of context sometimes. It's not just about getting your own way. It's not, I'm the head of the house, so we're going on vacation where I said this year because I'm the head of the house. That's not submission. Submission is not something that you take from someone. It's something that is given to someone. We give it to each other. And so here's what he says. Wives, you have to submit to your husbands and you give this to them as a gift. Husbands, it's not our right to take it. And we often look at this in the concept of who has the most authority. And, you know, I have daughters. We have conversations like this. Uh, oftentimes, the Bible has been misunderstood to project this idea that it is male-dominant and men are everything and women are nothing. Listen, that's a very poor interpretation of what Scripture is saying. It's not putting us in those positions. It's not talking about who has higher authority. It's actually asking the question, who's most surrendered? Who is most surrendered to the will of God? Who is most surrendered to the plans that God has for our lives? And that surrender leads us to the place of submission. But it's not something to be taken. It's something to be given. It's not something that we can demand of someone. It's something that we give as a gift. And so the submission that he talks about, he says, okay, wives, this is what this looks like. But there's a flip side to this coin. And gentlemen, I need to speak to this for a second because I know we get excited about this whole idea. You know, did you hear that? God says, I'm the head of the household. Well, here's what God actually means. He says, husbands, I hold you most responsible. You are to be the standard of righteousness for your home. You are to be the standard of righteousness for your wife, for your children, your grandchildren, your community, in your workplace. I hold you most responsible to be the standard of righteousness for your home. And if you become the standard of righteousness, then your wife will have an excellent person to follow in her life. You'll be in the place of leading through submission to Christ and not just living selfishly for self. So then he says here, what's, what's this look like for men? And this to me, I think, is the harder part. I'm going to be honest. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Now, he's talking about this relationship between how much Jesus loves his church. Can we agree that that's like a big love? Yes? Now he says this, in the same way. In that same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love to himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. I got to be honest, as a guy, we, we don't like to read these next verses. We stop at submission. We're like, yep, Bible said wife has to submit. Woo-hoo! But there's another clause, and that is that God says, I've called you as husbands to lay down your lives for your wives. I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and he has sons that are in their 20s, and 
we kind of got onto the topic of my daughters are getting older and they're probably going to start dating before too long. Oh, God. <laughs> Having flashbacks. <laughs> but he said, you know what? When my sons became interested in dating and bringing girls home, he said, I sat down and I asked him this question. Are you at a point in time in your life where you would willingly lay your life down, everything you desire, your wants, your dreams, your ambitions, would you lay all of that down for somebody else? If the answer to that is yes, then you're ready to date. If the answer to that is no, don't even get started. Because that's what God has called us to in this reality. And, and really, we, we get so hung up in, in, as we read these scriptures and thinking, well, God says wives have to submit and husbands are in charge and they're the head. God says, no, I'm holding them responsible. But here's what it looks like when wives submit to their husbands like the church does to Christ and husbands love their wives the way that Christ loves the church. Can we be honest? It actually starts to look very similar. It's less of me, more you. Humbling my thoughts my way, my desires, my plan, and elevating you. I love this definition of marriage I heard from a pastor by the name of Levi Lesko. He said, I define marriage as two people trying to outserve each other, doing everything they can to put the other higher. Lay, raise them up. No, no, no. You, you, you know, we get these really annoying conversations. Where do you want to go for dinner? Oh, no, you pick. No, 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 you pick. Where do you want to go? No, you pick. 30 minutes later, we're eating frozen chicken out of their freezer. <laughs> Let's go see a movie. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? It's all birthed out of a great thing, but it's, it's a little frustrating sometimes. But listen, that's, that's a comical way to look at it, but it's a reality. God called me as a husband to lay down my life, my selfishness that's inside of me. Believe it. I know you think your pastor is like this holy thing. He's a selfish guy at, at, at best but to lay that down and to lift her up. And God called her to lay down her own selfishness and to follow and to trust that this guy, I mean, we've been married for almost 19 years now, that this guy is gonna be the, the level of righteousness, the, the standard of righteousness for our family. And church, that, that's a really challenging thought. And, and you know, here's the part of this that becomes really scary. Let me speak to you in here if you are single, Okay. Can I just speak to the single people in here for a second? If you are single and you are a guy, you better be thinking long and hard. Am I willing to lay down my life for somebody else? Am I willing to lay down my own ambitions, my own thoughts, my own dreams, my own goals? And Am I willing to lay that down to love someone the way that Christ loves the church? If you are a single lady in here, here's the real question. Is this guy that is so handsome, <laughs> is he good enough to be the standard of righteousness for your home? Is he good enough to be the standard of righteousness for your home? Not, well, I'll be the one who serves Jesus and hopefully he'll catch up. Nope, that's not the way that God describes it. Is he the standard of righteousness for your home? That's the question that God lays out here for these two relationships. Now, for those of you who are married, sorry, you're stuck. <laughs> I mean that in the nicest way. Listen, you've been married for any period of time. You know there are seasons you go through. It feels a little awesome. 
Jess and I have been teaching a marriage tune-up class here on Wednesday nights. I've really enjoyed the book that we um, have been going through. It's called Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. Uh, just, uh, it's, it's been really challenging. A lot of thoughts that I honestly had never truly stopped to consider. But there's one that he mentions in this that is really underlines everything else. And he says, it, it's this. God did not design marriage to make us happy. He designed it to make us holy. It's, gonna, it's going to refine you. It's going to grate against you. To become selfless for one another is going to be a challenge. And that's what it comes down to is selfless. Them more, me less. Less of what I want, more of what you want. Not lording it over someone, well, I get to because I am. Or you must because I said. These, these concepts, they've, and they've been abused. I'm not going to lie. They've been abused in the past by people who have tried to take that and say, well, I have a biblical right because of I, I am this and you are that. The, the way this looks is through us to mutually come to the place in spiritual maturity as he's been talking through the entire book of Ephesians of saying, God, I've reached the place in spiritual maturity in my life where I'm willing to make myself less to make my spouse more. And then he goes on further. I'm willing to think less about myself and more about my children. I'm, th- I'm willing to think less about myself and more about the people that I'm in relationship. And I want to elevate them. I want to think about self less. But here's the way that we often consider it. As conditional. Now, there are, there's a lot of conditional language in Scripture. We talk about it as covenantal relationship. God says all the time, if you, blah, 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 then I, blah, 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 blah. But if you, blah, 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 then I am going to blah, blah, blah. Okay, we see that time and time again in Scripture. We don't see it here. And I know there's just been this clause, in our, well, what if my husband isn't very loving? Do I still have to submit to him? Let me ask you this. If you had not been very submissive, would it still be your husband's responsibility to love you? God says, this is what I challenge the individual to do. It's not, well, oh, well, in a perfect world, maybe that makes sense. And, and, and we're willing to look at it in those terms. Well, if everything was perfect, if everything was perfect, listen, I, I've found in my life, in my nearly 40 years, there's only one person that I have full control of, and even that's a gamble at best. It's this guy. I can't control anybody else. I cannot fix my wife. Nothing wrong with her. I'm just saying if hypothetically, if there was. That's a very, very hypothetical thing. Sorry, babe. If something was wrong with my wife, I can't fix it. The only thing I can work on is me. The only thing I can work on is loving my wife the way that Christ loves his church. And pray that God will challenge her to love me the way that the church should love Jesus. That's all I can do. It's not conditional. It's, it's mature. It's this maturity moment that comes in where God says, this is what it looks like to live in spiritual maturity and unity as your family. And can, can I just say, like, I'm frustrated because we've allowed the brokenness of the way we've handled this to change what we think God's expectation is. Well, that was tried and it didn't work. That person did this or that, per- that was tried and it didn't work. Listen, it still works. It's God's plan. It still works. But we have to be willing to do our part of it. And I just want to challenge you in that. You know, and, and I would encourage you to go back and read the rest of chapter 5 and into chapter 6. 
The things that God says are so important in the ways in which we interact with each other, our relationships, and all of it boiling down to this one thought. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to elevate somebody else to a higher position in my life. I'm going to put their needs ahead of mine. I'm going to put their wants ahead of mine. I'm going to put their dreams ahead of mine. I'm going to become less so that they can become more. Listen, it's, it's throughout the relationship that we have with Jesus, and it's our relationships with each other. Jesus came, and you know what he said about himself? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I did not come to sit on a throne and kick up my feet and make everybody come around me and bow down and worship me. No, I came to offer myself sacrificially for my bride that I love so much. Church, that's the challenge that God gives to us. And it might seem lofty at best to us at times. And listen, I know, I know there are broken situations. And I know some of you, maybe you've tried and things have, you've divorced and things are broken. Believe me, I believe that there's still always a way forward in your life. Okay, God, I'm going to put this together. In my relationships, I'm going to start to love like you do. I'm going to subordinate my desires to the rest of those around me. I'm going to choose your will for my life because I know that's perfect. When we do that, that's what spiritual maturity looks like, and that's when our relationships become godly. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for giving us the example of your son, Jesus. If anyone in history had a right to authority, had a right to submission, it would have been Jesus. But instead of coming in and demanding his way, he came in as a servant. He humbled himself. He willingly was scorned and beaten and abused and still loved us enough to die for us. That kind of love is beyond us, God. It seems impossible to us. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to speak into our hearts, Lord, this reality of what it looks like to become less and to elevate others more, to stop thinking selfishly and to start thinking selflessly. Allowing it to permeate into all of our relationships, whether it be with our spouse or our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our community, our co-workers, or whatever that looks like, not demanding our own way because love doesn't demand its own way. Let us embody the character of Jesus in all that we say and do. I just want to ask you as we're in prayer this morning, there's always a temptation to think that somebody else needs to be fixed. But if you're here this morning and you would say to yourself, listen, I know there are things in me that God needs to fix, and I want to ask that God would do that. Can I just ask you to slip up a hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Yeah, quite a few of us. I know there are things in me that God's got to fix. Can I ask you to stand as we get ready to close in prayer together? Listen, I want to pray this over you because it's not easy. I know you can talk to anybody who's been married between 5 and 50 years. They'll tell you the same thing. It's hard. It's hard. It's rewarding. It's a blessing. But it's hard. But I know that God wants to speak in into our lives through this commitment to one another in every relationship, and especially in our homes. God, I want to live and love like you. So Lord, I just pray that right now over every single person in here who raised their hand. Lord, you see the battles that we face. You know the selfishness that we deal with. 
You see our hearts. You know that on, on our best day, God, we're still too selfish to love anybody wholly. But you are so good to impart your love to us. And, and in certain ways and over a period of time, teach us, God, to give that love to other people. Lord, I pray over our marriages in this room. Lord, we're in a time and space and in a world where there is an all-out war and attack on our marriages. God, I pray protection over them. I pray healing into them. I pray, God, that you would just begin to speak holiness and righteousness and spiritual maturity into our relationships. God, that we would live for you. Lord, let it affect every one of our relationships with our children, with our coworkers, with our community members, with our neighbors, with everybody that we can come in contact with. God, that we would take on that selfless role that you did and stop thinking about ourselves, but instead elevating others. God, we know that we're not perfect and we never will be. But by your spirit that is at work within us, we can do what seems even impossible to us. And we give ourselves into your hands for that end, Lord. Use us for your glory as an instrument of the gospel for your people. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, our prayer team will be up here at the front and would love to meet with you if you need prayer. But Lord bless you. Go out and love like Jesus today, selflessly, 